My name is Bryce Kala, and I'm a dreamer. Both waking and sleeping, my rich and vivid imagination has been keeping life interesting since I was very little. So I'm going to share those dreams with you, and I'd love for you to share your dreams with me. Let's do this together in a little place that I like to call Somewhere in Dream World. and welcome to another episode of the Midnight Notion Somewhere in Dreamworld podcast. My name is Bryce Kala. I'm your host. And today's episode could have been brought to you by video games. Uh, it's not a food this time. Video games is actually sponsoring this episode, which is really great because I don't know if you knew this, but you could buy a video game if you wanted to from a store that sells video games. And then you could play it on a system or a handheld thing or on a computer or on an app. There's a lot of ways to play video games. So try video games today. Uh, we have a guest again this episode, and this is Daniel Malione. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Thanks uh, for coming. Thank you for welcoming me on. I'm glad I like jumped on the gun. Like, here's some things I like about dreams. Yeah. Can I be a guest? I posted on my personal Facebook page that I'm doing a podcast about dreams, and Daniel is like, hey, I like talking about dreams. <laughs> like, that's all you have to have to be on this podcast. Come talk about it with me. Well, this is my first ever recorded anything. So I was like, I listen to podcasts. I'm like, that sounds cool. Maybe I'll be cool enough to be a guest. And so it's like, please let me talk about dreams. No one else wants me to. So, so. note to everybody else, if you want to talk about dreams, it's that easy to be part of this podcast. Well, also, there's I don't think I would let a stranger come that hurts into a little my bit. Home. It's that easy. Okay. <laughs> I gave reasons. Yeah. There are definitely other things. But also, um, we I just found out we have the same favorite game. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So, Link's Awakening. We talked about probably like an hour before recording this <laughs> and so we probably won't talk about it for another hour on this right. um but yeah it's the zelda game boy game boy color game boy game game boy yeah. later remade into a game boy color game Correct. uh the dx version that's all about or something or mostly about dreams yeah. so yeah it's it's one it's my favorite of the zelda games um mostly nostalgia but it holds up very well and like you said it has a lot to do with dreams but then we also have another common interest another frequently overlooked thing. I feel like not a lot of people know about Link's Awakening. They focus a lot of time on Link um, Link to the Past mm -hmm. and Ocarina of Time. Mm -hmm. uh, but Link's Awakening is so good. Play it. Hey, and guess what? It's a video game, uh, which is the sponsor of this episode, or could have been. Um, we also have another thing in common that we both like the TV show, Awake. It was, yeah, it was an NBC show in 2012, 2012, 14, 12, 13, around recent. there. Yeah, closer. Uh, that I heard about it. It was like a mid-season launch, and it's some weird psychological cop show, and you're like, whatever. Uh, and then I watched like an episode halfway into it. I was like, this is fascinating. Oh, really? And then so reset. you started in the middle. I caught a piece of the middle, and I was thoroughly confused, uh -huh. uh, but then read about it and liked Jason Isaacs. So I was like, okay, yeah. I'll go back. 
and I'll try it out. And for anyone who's never seen it, which is everyone listening to this <laughs> podcast, uh, it's a cop procedural starring Jason Isaacs, who played um, Lucius, Lucius Malfoy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and has some great voice acting work. Um, but essentially, he like the, it opens with him in a car accident with his wife and son. Um, and then he wakes up in a world where his son is dead. And the next day, he wakes up in a world uh, where his wife is dead. And he alternates between two realities mm-hmm. and solves crime. And it's amazing. And in the in the stuff that he he's a detective, but the crimes have things in common. Mm-hmm. So he starts like where someone parks in space number one forty or whatever, and then in the other reality, the 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 um the criminal lives in apartment one forty, mm-hmm. and he starts seeing those common themes, and then people start looking at him like he's the cause of them, and so it adds this extra element of like. Which one is the real world and is like, who's like, is this a thing? I don't know. It's I, I like to, I was thinking about it on my way over here. Um, I like to think of it like a really tight kind of like lost mm-hmm. where it's like you have this really bizarre element, but there's only one really bizarre element. Mm-hmm. And it's not about solving 500 of these mysteries. It's solving what existence is he living in? Yeah. Um, but on top of it, you have a, a really solid, I think, procedural and you have some really, really great relationships. And yeah. that's, I think, where the show signs is... Um, his relationship with his different partners and his uh, family and his family and then like individual people, his therapists both play yeah. really big roles. Um, and it never, at least on the first season doesn't set out to answer anything. It kind yeah. of it peels things away and you think, you know how it works and it's, it's great. When I saw the first trailer for it, I was like dreams. Yes. Sold. <laughs> and, and so I watched it from like when oh, it great. was airing um, and I set aside time every whatever Monday or uh, whatever. Thursdays Thursday. at 10. Okay. That's why I didn't stick around. <laughs> um, but it can't, it got announced that it was canceled before the final mm-hmm. episode uh, aired. And I was very upset because I loved the show so much. But then the final episode for me was very conclude. Like it felt mm-hmm. fine. It felt like a good ending. Mm-hmm. So whereas something equally or like something like Firefly that was amazing and got canceled way before it should have. Um, that could have kept going on. But I feel like this is complete as one season. That's a good thought. Um, I think. <laughs> no, I think I agree. I agree with like the ending is very much open to interpretation yeah. um, in a way that does feel kind of has a more concrete end. I'm not as upset about that as I am about like a Twin Peaks finale mm-hmm. um, or a Lost finale where it's like, what this like, it's unanswered. Whereas this it's, it's, it opens up a whole new door and yeah. understand for this character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would absolutely love to like have it revisited. It yeah. never will be. I just um, hope everybody watches it so we can talk to more people about it. <laughs> it's like, I want to get into that last finale. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think it's worth checking out. It's got uh Really great direction, really great yeah. acting. Um, Cinematography is wonderful. Too. Wonderful. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, what do you say we talk about our dreams? Let's do it. All right. I think it's time to go to sleep. So, Daniel, do you remember your dreams regularly or? Yeah. Uh, I can, like, I could recall last night's dream not that there's anything of note to it yeah um but i'd say i dream and recall dreams probably every single night do you keep a journal or uh record them to your phone or anything or not currently i have in the past yeah um but it's a lot of weird work i think it's more just like having that to be the first thing you do when you wake up and honestly Mm. i'd rather just like 
slowly get up and take a shower and go on with the day then yeah. sit down and take that time sure there are there are other priorities sometimes i feel like once you get to this point where i feel like we're both at a point where we remember so many of mm-hmm. them that it isn't that much work to recall them mm-hmm. that if someone listening doesn't recall as frequently um you can train yourself to recall by regularly writing them down mm-hmm. and recording them. And doing that work actually gets you to this point where it's just an everyday thing almost. Um, and part of it is sleep, I think. But um, yeah, I know. I don't know how long ago I heard this, but like essentially um, everyone all of his dreams. Mm-hmm. And it's just whether or not you train your brain to think it's important for me to think about my dreams. It's important for me to remember my dreams. Mm-hmm. And if I don't journal them, I'd say like every other day, I'd probably bore someone with them. Uh, specifically, my girlfriend, who when I told her I was coming on this podcast, was like, "Thank God you can talk to somebody else about this," uh, because yeah, I have a lot of very nonsense, not important, just right. goofy stuff. I'm like, but guess what? Yeah, this it, happened. You had to have been there. You get, you got it. Can, let me just explain it to you. And then you say it, and you're like, "Oh no, that was dumb." <laughs> but I'm glad I told you anyway. Right. Uh, did you bring a, a, a big, uh, like just one dream that kind of sticks out um, to talk about today? I did. Um, it's not necessarily like life changing or anything like that, but it was really, um, it very much kind of set this tone for my childhood oh. and what I would expect uh, going to sleep. Um, in general, when I was younger, I'd still probably always really remember a dream. So it was a really regular thing. Um, and I'm trying to, date this but i'd say somewhere between the ages of like you know the range of three to like eight it's gonna give you a nice long window there um definitely had frequent nightmares definitely had lots of random things that happened but there's one that sticks with me um and that is the haunting of the gingerbread man uh it's probably the best title i could give it um and it ties to uh, my preschool um i was in an ecfe program and one day we had crafts and I made a paper cutout gingerbread man. It was like a piece of cardboard paper, or, um, yeah, like brown construction paper. Uh, we, I think we sprinkled like brown sugar on it after some glue, of course. Uh, stuck on M and M's and gumdrops, and mm-hmm. you made this little gingerbread figure. And absolutely, not the like, gumdrop buttons, right? Yeah, just like very standard. It wasn't creepy. It wasn't scary. It was just a craft. And I brought it home, and it got pinned on the corkboard above our computer, um, and. I don't know if it was the first night after that or sometime after that, uh, I started having these recurring nightmares uh, that would show up in, I think, like one of four different forms. Um, if uh, if I was staying with my grandparents, they lived in a different house, um, the dream would be I'd just be like in their living room and there'd be like a knock on the door, or a noise at the door, and I'd go out to the porch and on the other side of the screen door would be the gingerbread man. He'd just be staring at me and it's like the middle of the day and... I would maybe call for help. I would maybe ask for someone to come, come visit or like, oh my gosh, he's here. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, I think I would just would stare at him and I would just do that. Was it the same size as you or is it? it no, is... it's still like a, like a foot, not even a foot. Like I'm trying to yeah. think, you know, eight inches, a couple inches tall. Um, and of course, I was younger at the time. So like maybe like, you know, mm-hmm. two thirds of me or a third of me <laughs> or whatever that would be. Um, but it wasn't anything like monstrous. It was very much just this gingerbread man and just like, and then maybe I think took on a form of maybe some malice or anger or whatever. Sure. Um, so there's that. Uh, and then uh, some versions, um, if I was like sleeping in my bedroom with my, uh, I think we had a shared bedroom with my two other siblings or one other sibling, um, I'd just be in my bed um, and he would grab me out of my bed and drag me out of oh. my bed. Yeah, uh, it's intense. Um, and 
uh, the way the house is set up is there's like uh, one bedroom, a long hallway. In the middle of the hallway, there's a different bedroom. At the end of the other hallway uh, was my mother's bedroom, and then somewhere else in that on that same stretch of hallway was the stairs leading down to our like our living room. So the idea okay. I think was be that it would grab me and drag me down the stairs, and yeah. usually at some point I'd wake up. Um, the other version uh, would be. Again, not like in any, in any place, uh, but it'd be like a grocery store and you'd just be walking through the grocery store with mom and then you look on the banner and they're selling gingerbread cookies or like gingerbread men and you'd look away and you'd look back at the banner and one of the ones that was up on that banner is gone. And then like throughout the entire shopping experience, you turn a corner and there he's just like watching you or he'd be like three aisles down or he'd be at like at the other register. And it was just like, it's like pure horror yeah. um, in this like non-horror figure and it haunted me and I told nobody about it um and the last one and the one that was like the most probably I think the most terrifying is uh if I was like sleeping in my mom's bed um I would wake up in, or in my dream in the middle of the night I would be in like a tug of war where my mom was holding on to me and pulling me and he's this gingerbread man is pulling me the other way and it would just be that in a, like an indefinite amount of time of being tugged between like this like figure and my mother and just like that until I'd wake up. Um, and I just, I didn't tell people about it, which is weird. And I think part of it was like, I didn't want my mom to get rid of it. Cause she, she really liked the art. Like it clearly was like up on the wall. I don't know how long it's hard to say again. Like how did I get to be like five or six or seven? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we had ever moved with it. I don't think we did. It must've been at the same house and we would have moved around like third or fourth grade. So it probably happened before then. Um, at some point I finally told her like, yeah, I had this dream about that gingerbread man. And she's like, we can just take that down. And then it was just over and it just, it just ended. Really? It, and so it just went from being this thing that I would see every single day. And then I would dream about probably, I'd say about half of my dreams were like of this like gingerbread horror. And then that was it. And that was a thing. Uh, remind me that was one that you made. Yes. Yep. So your own creation is my own. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and that was like, and I I don't remember like doing that craft at school and being like, oh, this is stupid or it's scary or ever having fears before then. Um, it just took on this other form in my dreams, and then would be like during the day, I would look at it and I would see it, and I'd be like, is it there? Is it watching me? And and I can't recall too much of those. I really recall the dreams very vividly, uh, the day to day sightings of it, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it just it was as simple as just throwing it away, and then it was done. Weird. Yeah. You, you know, I had a similar thing with, uh, in the first episode, I talked about a wolf dream mm-hmm. that I had, and there's something about wolves pretty much my whole life. I don't know if it was before or after mm-hmm. that. It, it feels like it might've been impacted by the dream. Right. I know that there were, um, a few movies that I had seen that had like a nasty wolf in them. Mm-hmm. I was really into Disney's Peter and the Wolf. Mm-hmm. They had an animated mm-hmm. short on Peter and the wolf. And that wolf was very terrifying to me. And it feels like that's the wolf that was in the dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, um, after that, because of the dream, there are a lot of um, paintings of wolves where they're just like staring out and mm-hmm. it feels like they're piercing my soul. You know what I mean? Like they, they I have a problem looking at them sometimes because it feels like it's, it's that dream mm-hmm. reliving. And, and so it's interesting to me that um, just, I don't know, it seems like such a peaceful thing. You made this little art. You didn't seem like you were not necessarily proud. Uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. like, a mm-hmm. like I hate this art, Mm-mm. but yeah. it just shows up and that that's the symbol used 
in this dream that's like attacking and it's basically slender man <laughs> but the gingerbread man and i and honestly like now it's easy really really easy for me to go back and laugh at it like mm-hmm. and i honestly if i tell the story it's not like i had this really serious dream it's like guys i was haunted by a gingerbread man as a child <laughs> and like it just shows you dreams are just like uh can really take any form mm-hmm. that is nonsensical but then you do yeah you attribute this meaning to it and mm-hmm. it, it builds into something else um but yeah, like I look back at those and I remember just being like haunted. And even as a kid, realizing how ridiculous it was. That was maybe sure. part of why I wouldn't bring it up. It was like, yeah, I'm haunted by the gingerbread art. I, I hung on the wall. Like no one, no one can <laughs> like respect it. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, Did it talk to you at all? Or was it just like, was it? I don't think it, so. Was it its exact like did you say it was paper or cardboard yeah so the the craft itself was a was a construction paper mm. uh some like glued on food stuff so it I, was just that it still? was that in the dream it's hard to say i want to say it was a little bit more fleshed out yeah a little more like an actual it wasn't cl- yeah something. it was more like an actual but again it's an actual cookie not like a small monster mm-hmm. it was just still this like representative of this uh holiday treat wow. um yeah and a lot of it, I mean, there there are so many different ways to analyze dreams. There's that sort of subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. There's a spiritual side of things. A lot of anybody can take their own meaning mm-hmm. from it. Um, but I do know that I've read or heard or a mixture of both um, that when you're in that REM state of sleep, uh, most of your body is shut down. Mm-hmm. And that's where most of the dreaming occurs. Mm-hmm. And the one thing... Uh, the one part of your brain, the prefrontal cortex is where you process most of your logic Mm -hmm. and that is off. It's just Mm -hmm. completely off. So it's just kind of a mixture of things you've seen and habits and um, feelings and emotions all kind of smashed together. Mm -hmm. And that's why we kind of wake up and go, that didn't make any sense. Well, of course it didn't because there's no logic Mm because that part was off. Right. Yeah. No, it's, and I think it's really interesting to think about the, the element of sleep paralysis there. Cause like, again, uh, I'm either at the door staring at it. I'm like being dragged out of the bed. I'm being torn, like not torn in half ever. Um, mm. but in none of them am I moving. I'm always still or stuck. Right. Um, I don't have that agency to like get out of there or do anything, uh, which I think is pretty typical of a nightmare of, of many forms. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, I feel, I don't remember if I touched it on it on the first episode, but, but th- there's that thing where your brain is telling your body to mm-hmm. run but your body's asleep and you can't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wild, wild. Chris, have you ever had actual sleep paralysis where you wake up and you're still mm-hmm. really? Yes. So, um, for a while, I think also not only if I've dreamed and like recalled my dreams frequently, uh, as a kid, I'd have equivalent to like a lucid dream where you'd like, Oh, I'm dreaming. Oh my gosh, this is weird. Um, like a really key one for me. This, this is another big dream as a child was, uh, I was in a dream. I was in a cabin. A snake killed me. I died. I went to heaven. And I got to heaven. And in heaven, uh, the angel was like, you're not actually dead. You're just dreaming. And it like, sends me back down. And I go talk to the snake. And I was like, I, and the snake's like, you're alive again. I'm like, yeah, because I'm not actually done. I'm dreaming. And the snake's like, weird. Kills me again. And I go back up and like bounce back. And it what? wasn't scary. It's very goofy. And I woke up being like, whoa, I knew I was dreaming. So like clearly had that lucid dreaming element, which... Uh, in college, I decided I like read a little bit more about it and I was like, oh, lucid dreaming is really interesting. Um, and then made an attempt to practice it. And from that is where I had my, uh, like experiences with sleep paralysis. Um, really? mm-hmm. so I don't know how much you know about lucid dreaming or, um, what sort of things you've, uh, 
researched or studied. Um, I am so glad the conversation is going this direction because I have um, I have looked into lucidity and it's it sounds to me like one of the most I, it sounds like an adventure. It's fundamental. It, it's it's really cool. I did work at one point to try to get myself to lucid dream. And for those of you listening that don't know what lucidity is, it's it's basically what Daniel just said that you realize you're dreaming, mm-hmm. but then from there are able to kind of change the events of the dream, or at least be a little more cognitive mm-hmm. about your decisions. So yeah, so um, to give an example, so I started practicing this uh, about a year after I left New York. I was in New York for three months for an internship. Um, and so I was nowhere near there uh, and I missed it and it was a cool place. And so as I was studying lucid dreaming, um, I gave myself the goal of I would go back and visit New York. That was the thing I read about is you really want to give yourself an intention for when you figure out you're lucid. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in a dream, I um, realized that I was lucid dreaming. Uh, there's tons of, I, I will leave it up to the internet for people to kind of learn about reality <laughs> checks uh, and things like that. What, um, what, did you have a real, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I want to get into this. Okay, actually. let's go. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's, into it. let's talk about this. Cause, um, so what the internet says and what other, uh, what have been in books and all that stuff is typically you, you kind of develop some sort of a mm-hmm. tick, right? Or yep. some sort of a habit in real life that shows up in your dream because it's something you do on the regular, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So the, the keys to lucid lucid dreaming uh, first and foremost is a dream journal i honestly believe you won't get it done without one um, it takes that step of i care about my dreams to the next level um, then you have reality checks and they can be things like uh, for the most part in dreams uh, words and numbers don't hold a state so if you looked at a wall and had some writing and you looked away and you looked back and it changed um, that's usually a key like huh that's weird yeah and you hope that that would trigger you to then do a reality check such as um, check the time on your watch right. um, have a conversation with someone even ask them like am i dreaming uh, or what i frequently do is um, put my thing my finger through my hand which is where yeah. you like poke your palm yep. uh, and how it appears in my dream is that like the other side of my palm like stretches out really right. weird and yeah because in in the dream state you're not you see all these these other things mm-hmm. but you're not really in control mm-hmm. of how they mm-hmm. or you kind of are because it's your brain but right but, but until you're lucid dreaming it's it just it goes and it just keeps happening and right. it's happening to you you'll interact with it in physics um, and certain things a lot of people say the light switch is a big one mm, uh, where mm-hmm. when you go into a room you turn on the light switch and you look at the light to see if the light is turning on and off. Mm-hmm. And in the dream state, you don't necessarily have electric wiring going through the architecture. And I've definitely done relay checks that have like duped me. So I've done the thing oh. where I've poked my hand. I've seen it stretch and been like, yeah, I'm not dreaming. And I've woken up later and been like, oh, what the hell? Like, of course I was. Yeah. Um, I have a really great one. At the time I was trying to do this, I, I had a watch. Mm-hmm. I don't typically wear a watch anymore, but I had a watch um, and I would every once in a while, just randomly throughout the day, stop, look at my watch and watch the second hand go for five seconds. And I would count along with it, mm. understanding that in the dream world, time might not work the same way or the watch might not function the same way. And so I started just stopping and watching the watch and I would tell people about this too. So it became a big Mm -hmm. part of my life. And I was talking about this attempt at lucidity. I had a dream where I was at a a big table with a lot of friends around 
And the person on the other side, we were eating a meal or something. I was telling that person about my adventure in trying to lucid right. dream. Yep. And I, w- I told him, I all I have to do is look at my watch and count for five seconds. And then I should know whether I'm dreaming or not. I said this in the dream. And I woke up the next morning going, no, <laughs> I was that close. Well, that's, that's what I think is... Yeah, I honestly think with dreams, there's so much of it. It's like your intention and what you want out of it. Um, and so when you don't talk about dreams, you don't remember your dreams. And when you start remembering your dreams and caring about your dreams, your brain's like, this is important. Mm-hmm. And so honestly, it's that it's that state where then it gets into your dreams to the point of like exhaustion. Like once you're lucid dreaming, there's this weird sense that your brain doesn't want to keep you lucid dreaming, at least where I've been. Right. I know there's people who kind of, I think, push past that to it's never an issue anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a you have to be very cognizant to stay lucid or it's really easy just to drift back and out um but yeah no so to to bounce around to some other topics uh so yeah so what i would do is i would go um to i'd try to dream and once i figured out i'm lucid i do a reality check um and then i usually always start with flying because flying is just amazing it's wonderful um it's and then if you're flown in your dream it's great and if you do lucid dreaming like there's a second level of like thrill to it yeah um and i always i think what's great to describe is that when i wake up from a lucid dream um i'm not more exhausted i'd almost think that like my brain has been working overtime instead i feel like incredibly refreshed like really relaxed um but so I'd fly and I remember flying to flying to a room and then like I was in a room that was all white and I made the cognizant decision in my dream like I wanted to go to New York so I'm going to go to the street where I lived on when I was there and I pushed down the walls like very mindfully pushed down the walls that of this room I was in and as I knocked each one down it brought me to that street like oh. spot on that street and then I like walked to seventh and then I like kind of just like ran down seventh. And then of course, like things start to get weird and dreamy. Um, but it was a very, like I can still very clearly see those moments in my head visually now, which I don't think you carry over with as many dreams or even like other memories. Um, but then to get to your final point or your first point, whatever you want to call it, uh, of the sleep paralysis, yeah. um, had it happen a few times where you wake up and you're lying there and you're like, Oh gosh, what's happening? Cause you try to move it first and it is a little like unnerving. Um, but I think is, is a totally fine thing. And one thing I will say for people who are like incited or interested in lucid dreaming, uh, is when you go online, you'll read a lot about sleep paralysis and like seeing a figure in your sleep paralysis. Yeah. Uh, and it's usually described as like this, like dark or shadowy figure that'll stand over you, which like, again, which is usually just a gingerbread man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's usually supposed it's, it, people take it, I think as this fear or this face value. And I've read lots of comments and posts where people are like, mm. Oh, I like, I was horrified. I never want to do that again. Right. And I'm like, I think that fear of it makes it scary for you when you wake up. Yeah, absolutely. But um, there is also the uh, actual medical or um, disorder-y sort of version of sleep paralysis where you can actually be so afraid. Your body is still in that sleeping mm-hmm. shutdown mode, but you're so terrified that you can't move it that you can actually kind of hyperventilate. And uh, I had not heard of that. Yeah. Uh, it, I will... <laughs> I would just say, yes, uh, do some research, but I maybe, I guess that's probably few and far between, Um, but look into that too. Yeah, definitely just see, if you're having sleep problems, definitely see a trained professional because that's not us. listen to us (laughs) for that. All right. With that, I think it's time to wake up. All right. So Daniel, uh, now that we're, oh, oh man, now that we're all awake. Um, is there anything that you have dreams of doing in your waking life? 
Uh, totally. Um, so if I'm honest with myself, I'd call myself a writer. Um, it's not what I do for my day job. It's not what pays the bills, uh, but hopefully one day would be. And so specifically, um, I write comic scripts. Uh, and nice. so I've written a few uh, single issue things. I've written a complete script for a book. And so my like my dream of dreams is to uh, kind of keep working down that road, get some things uh, published, drawn, illustrated, all that. So the one that you've written for a book, mm-hmm. you're saying that you've written it, but it hasn't been published yet? Yeah, so I have a full about 260 page script I've gone over a few times. Um, and it's a large enough project that might be kind of tricky to do independently. Uh, so I'm trying to see if I can go a traditional route, at least at first. Um, but otherwise, just kind of finding collaborators to work with. Cool. So if anybody listening to this wanted to help make that dream come true, how can they find you? Um, I've shared a little bit about it on my Twitter handle at Tonucci. That's T-O-N-U-C-H-I. But for now, that Twitter is mostly just like memes and political rants. And I do share comic related stuff on there frequently. um, But I'm trying to be more open about the creative work I'm doing. Sure. Awesome. Well, with that, we have reached the end of this episode of the Somewhere in Dreamworld podcast. Thank you so much, Daniel. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Coming on. And thank you to uh, Video Games, who could have sponsored this episode. Uh, if you would like to submit your dream to this podcast, please do so at midnightnotion.com or phone it in at 612-643-0944. I'd love to hear those dreams, and I'd love to share them on here. And I will be doing that uh, once we have a good old, big old batch. We'll do a, a whole episode of just listener dreams. So uh, anyway, with that, I've been Bryce Collin. This has been Daniel. Hello. (laughs) Hello, goodbye. And this has been the Midnight Notion Somewhere in Dream World podcast. Uh, Until next time, sleep well, dream well, and be well.